Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Seahawks Forever, we'll take a look ahead to the rematch between the Seahawks and 49ers coming up this Sunday in Santa Clara. Are the 49ers the best team in the NFL? Do the Seahawks have any chance to pull off an upset this week? What would it look like if they do beat the 49ers in the playoff race? If they don't, how does the rest of the season look? I'll tackle all of those questions using DVOA as a ranking and try to put some things in perspective. That's up next, 49ers Seahawks on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast, in-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. This is an audio-only episode for those of you who listen to your audio podcasts on whichever platform you use. If you listen on Spotify, you can get rid of those ads for just 99 cents a month. I'll put that link in the show description. If you don't listen on Spotify, you can head over to Spotify and get free episodes. Or not, well, they're not free. They're 99 cents a month, but listen ad-free. I also do uh, video episodes over on the Seahawks Forever YouTube channel. Head over there and subscribe. And uh, I'll be doing more audio only as we head through these last five weeks of the season, particularly in the next week or two. Uh, it's something I've been meaning to do anyway. I've mentioned that before on the show, but it's uh, it's also a little bit out of necessity right now, having some major uh, cable internet issues into my apartment that might take a while to resolve. So I'm having to use some hotspots and things like that, and it just makes uploading video a little more difficult. So um, in the meantime, that's what's happening. But I wanted to take ahead, just posted a show today, breaking down on the YouTube channel, breaking down the Seahawks salary cap situation heading into the offseason and next year. And I think for those of you who think they're screwed and, you know, they have too many, too many albatross contracts and, and especially in that safety room and with, you know, depending on how you feel about Geno Smith and his impending cap hit and what they should do there. They can't afford to re-sign Jordan Brooks, Leonard Williams. I answer all those questions and I think you're going to like what I have to say, and I break down all those numbers. And that's up now on uh, the Seahawks Forever YouTube page. Head on over there. Uh, but let's take a look at this game. And I want to use, um, I know that it's become very in vogue this year to use EPA, expected points um, per play, to, to kind of break down where teams rank and offensively and, de and defensively, I've always really liked DVOA because I think it just kind of, it, it puts it all into one, 
recipe, basically, where you can see it all in front of you. And uh, it's just a little easier to chew on. And what DVOA is, it was developed originally by the guys at Football Outsiders. And then they kind of um, split up a little bit. And so now it's been taken over by a, by a fantasy football site. But it's the same ranking system. So it's defensive value over average. And what they do is they, they literally break down every single play and measure success rates. And it's very situational. And so, you know, a, a play, you know, a third and 10 from your own 10-yard line isn't expected to be as successful as often because historically it's not. And so how successful your team is in that situation is weighted against the average. And they do that for every single situation. And so what you find, the larger you have a sample size, the deeper into a season you get, I don't think these rankings come out to like week four or five, the deeper into a season you get, the more clear view we get about good teams and bad teams. And you almost never see a team that's three and nine at this point of the season be a top 10 DVOA team. They typically line up. For example, when the Seahawks were great, the Legion of Boom teams, 2013, 14, 15, they were number one in DVOA in those years. Overall, they do an offensive ranking, a defensive ranking, and then an overall rank. For example, this week, guess who sits at the very top of these DVOA rankings? The San Francisco 49ers. They are number one, and they assign a percentage, and this, this is where it really gets interesting. Their total DVOA number right now is 43%. Baltimore is second at 41.2%. Then it drops all the way down to 23% is Kansas City's grade at number three. That's how far ahead San Francisco, Baltimore seem to be in their respective conferences right now. San Francisco is the number one overall ranked offense in DVOA, and they're number four in defense. Baltimore, meanwhile, is five on offense, but the number one defense. The idea here is that basically, if you're ranked ahead of a team in DVOA, you should, for the most part, beat them. And where it gets really interesting is when you look at where Seattle is in relation to them. And they're right about where you'd think they should sit, right in the middle of the pack. At 6-6, six and six, they are number 18 right now in DVOA. They are the 14th ranked offense. And the 24th ranked defense, once again, defense continues to hold them down. And that's about where they've been. I did a show recently where I went back over, looked at yards per game over the last four or five years and uh, pointed out that it's been a continuing trend because that's about where they've been finishing, 24, 25, 26 since 2019. You know, we thought things looked really good those first four or five weeks. Defense is coming around. The run defense is better. They found some playmakers. Devin Witherspoon was wrecking game plans. But now we get some more perspective when you look at who they played and how those teams are performing. Uh, think about in terms of the NCAA basketball tournament, right? When you're when you're looking at RPI and you're 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 considering a team's resume and trying to decide whether they should make the tournament, where they should be seated. They look at quality wins, right? Quality of opponents. 
you can certainly now, when you look at that Baltimore blowout loss, look at this and say, oh, well, yeah. Our two worst losses of the year, blowout losses, were to the best teams in the NFL. Baltimore's two, San Francisco's one. Makes the, the Bengals' loss a little more frustrating. They're a play away from winning that game on the road. Bengals sit just above the Seahawks there at 14 overall. 27th defensively. Uh, the win over Cleveland, you could make an argument, is their most quality win of the season. No, that's Detroit. I'm sorry. Detroit is seventh overall. Six on offense, 10 on defense. That's their best win. And then the Cleveland win, albeit without Deshaun Watson. But they've mostly been without Deshaun Watson this year. And yet they sit 12 and they are number two in defensive DVOA. 27th on offense and yet they're at 12 because that defense is so good but then you look at that that start to the year right where we thought the Seahawks defense was looking better uh, Arizona 29th in DVOA Carolina 31st New York Giants 32nd so that big Monday night football win it was against clearly the worst team in the NFL right now. Even that Washington Commanders win that we thought showed some things and we were feeling pretty good coming out of that. Washington sits 30th. They've lost four of their last five games and uh, oh, the last three by blowout. It's the only win the Seahawks have had in their last five games. So you start to get some of that perspective. 49ers are going to be hard to beat, man. How are, how are you feeling about Brock Purdy these days? Is there still even a debate? I know early in the season, there were a lot of people that didn't believe in Brock Purdy. I went on Twitter and said that he's legit good. It's time to accept that now. And now we can start to see that, you know, over the last four years, there's been a lot of even 49er fans Question Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, why has that team year in, year out been so talented? Universally agreed upon, you know, one of the most talented rosters in the league, and yet they haven't won anything. Well, it's quarterback play, right? Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't good enough to get it done. They go out and they, they, they sell the farm to move up. And draft a quarterback and he flames out. That didn't work. They stumble into a seventh round draft pick. The last pick in the draft, Brock Purdy. He gets his opportunity because of injury. And he's 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 not just the perfect fit for Shanahan's offense, you guys. He's not just a system quarterback. He's good. Do you have shortcomings? Yeah. I still you know, going up a, a against a great defense. It'd be, if the Super Bowl ends up being the 49ers and the Ravens, I mean, let's face it, that's that's the matchup right now, right? It'd be fun to watch. It'd be fun to see the 49ers go up against a really great secondary. Can, can Brock Purdy fit balls downfield into tight windows? But here's the thing, he doesn't really have to. 
because Shanahan's so good at scheming guys open. And the thing that makes Brock Purdy so good is his processing, man. The way he sees the field and the way he just makes a decision and pulls the trigger. If you leave something open that's easy, he's going to take it. But the second you leave someone open downfield, he's going to find them. His vision is amazing. I did not see this out of him. So if you remember, you know, he came out of Iowa State. And uh, as a freshman, they played Washington State in the Aloha Bowl. I'm, I'm sorry, the Alamo Bowl. And that was an interesting team because Brock Purdy was a freshman. And then he had David Montgomery as his running back and Hakeem Butler as a receiver. And Butler in that game had something like 10 or 11 catches, just murdered the Cougs in that game. And Montgomery was kind of a great two-way player, real physical runner, but caught the ball a lot too. Uh, so it's funny that in Detroit now, he's not the pass catching back, you know, Jameer Gibbs is. Um, and I remember thinking at the time that like this Purdy kid looks really good. He's mobile. He did a lot of read option with him. He ran, he was big enough. He was accurate. And then he just didn't see the progression. I would check in on him from time to time over his next three years. He just never put up big numbers and never became a, a draft prospect that was talked about. So I thought, okay, he's just one of those guys, right? That's a good college quarterback. Never finds his footing in the pros. You know, Seahawks, uh, I mean, the Cougs have certainly seen their share of those guys. Anthony Gordon, Connor Halliday. Put up big numbers in college and it doesn't translate. And Purdy didn't even put up big numbers. But he's just, he's, he's just good, man. It kills me as a Seahawks fan to see that, you know, that roster is that good. And that now they have a, a guy on a rookie contract who's playing at an all pro level and is in the MVP conversation. They've just made all the right moves the last couple of years, haven't they? The McCaffrey deal. Like you look at them and you kind of compare them and contrast them to what the Rams have done. Very similar aggressive styles of roster building and player acquisition, not afraid to draft or to trade high picks to go out and get impact. But the impact they've gotten has been massive. McCaffrey has been the perfect fit. They signed Javon Hargrave. He's been a great addition to those guys. They trade for Chase Young. He's fit right in. You know, they haven't hit on all their draft picks. They've missed a lot. They've, you know, you talk about the criticism the Seahawks have, have had over the years of taking running backs too high. Look at all the draft picks invested in running backs with the 49ers. And they haven't worked out. They traded for McCaffrey and then Elijah Mitchell was un, undrafted. They've had more success with undrafted guys. And so they've wasted some draft picks and had some not work out. But when they do work out, they're home runs. Guys like Fred Warner, Hufunga. So they've been aggressive, but they've they've hit on on those guys in a bigger way than the Rams have. And I I, I think they're set up for a long contention window. We might be looking at a 49ers team that could win multiple Super Bowls over the next couple of years. 
So is there any hope for the Seahawks to win on Sunday? <laughs> I wish I had answers for you, man. This is, um, in years past, I would tell you that I feel better about Pete Carroll teams sometimes when things aren't going well than when they are. That he's good at rallying the troops, getting getting them to believe in themselves. I just don't know about the strategy makers right now. I don't know if Clint Hurt can scheme up a defense to slow down the 49ers. They ran through us. What, they scored 31 two weeks ago? It looked like it could have been 48. I don't know if Shane Waldron can scheme up an offense that can consistently move the ball against this 49er defense. That being said, you know, Dallas is seventh in DVOA, and the Seahawks carved them up and had their best offensive performance of the year. But now, you know, Geno Smith coming off his best performance and with a 10-day break before the next game, comes up with a groin injury. He's on the injured list. Now, I would expect him to play. The Seahawks did sign Sean Mannion, brought him back again to their practice squad, a guy that, you know, has familiarity with Waldron in this offense, was on the practice squad at times last year. So he could get up to speed quickly if he needed to. But I would expect Gino to play. Ken Walker appears to be back. He practiced in full, as did Zach Charbonnet. So that's good news. It's not good news for Kenny McIntosh. <laughs> but it's good news for those guys, uh, for the Seahawks running game. And a week and a half to kind of lick their wounds and what I'm looking for this Sunday is simply this. Show me something that leads me to believe they can win three of their last four to get into the playoffs. I'm not at the point yet where I, I don't want that to happen because I want a higher draft pick. I'm not there yet. You look at those last three games now, and surprisingly, Pittsburgh is still 10th in DVOA, largely because their defense is ranked 5th. Their offense has fallen to 18th. Mitchell, Trubitz, uh, Mitchell Trubisky now in for Kenny Pickett, who had to have surgery on his ankle. But Pittsburgh, in the last two weeks, has lost to the Arizona Cardinals, got blown out at home by the Cardinals. Admitted afterwards, they they some of the players did that they took the Cardinals lightly, which you just never hear from a Mike Tomlin coach team. And then they lost to the New England Patriots and Bailey Zappi this week. And that game's at home. Then you look at the Tennessee Titans game. They're 23rd in DVOA, 22nd on offense and defense. Will Levis showing flashes, but still a rookie playing quarterback for them. They've given up on the season at four and eight. And then the Cardinals are a mystery. The Seahawks always tend to play them better in Arizona, though, than here. But they're 29th, even though they look, they've looked better under Kyler Murray. 26th on offense, 30th on defense. So there's an opportunity there. And do the Philadelphia Eagles look a little more vulnerable than they have been? Eighth overall in DVOA, seventh on offense, 21st on defense. 49ers carved him up. Jalen Hurts not healthy. The Eagles 
offensive line. I saw a breakdown with Dan Orlovsky on ESPN this week. The offensive line, not as dominant as it was last year or has been the last couple of years. And as a result, they're not running the ball as effectively. So maybe the Eagles, maybe the loss of Shane Steichen is something that they're still grappling with. Even though Hurts is, for the most part, has played well. He's in the MVP conversation. He has put me in position to win my fantasy league, one of my fantasy leagues. He's got me in first place. He's been consistently good, but he hasn't put up the gaudy numbers. So show me something this week. If they came out and put a game together similar to what they did against Dallas, move the ball in the game in the fourth quarter, chance to win, even if they came up short, I'd feel like, okay, maybe now there's something to build on. Because that's the way I see the Cowboys game. Hate the fourth down calls. You know, it's a game that we should have won, had a lead late. But against, uh, I don't like to toss the word elite around too casually, but against an elite opponent, as things stand right now, they went on the road and they performed well. They gave us some hope. If they go down to San Francisco Sunday and get rolled again, then I don't know if the season can be salvaged. I'm not talking about a moral victory here. I'm, I'm just talking about even if you come out of Sunday with a loss, show us something. Show us that in three weeks you've figured out a better way to defend that 49er offense and move the ball against them. Show me something, Shane Waldron. Give us some answers, good or bad, because we need some clarification heading in the offseason. We need to know what this team is. I think the most dangerous thing when it comes to the development of this team and where it might be in 2024 is if they they do the mediocrity thing, right? I think it scares us all. They, they figure out a way to win eight, nine games heading in the offseason so they can look back and say, well, see, we kind of figured some things out. We didn't make the playoffs. We didn't make the impact we thought we could. We didn't challenge for the division, even though we were in first place when we were for a while. It's So let's just keep everything the way it is. And keep Diggs, keep, keep Adams, and just kind of draft and add a couple pieces, not commit to a young quarterback. To me, that's that would be the fear. Um. With that being said, head over to the YouTube channel and check out the show I did where I do break down the salary cap because I think you can do both. I think you can keep the, the really promising core of this team together, most of the roster, and still add some dynamic pieces and bring back your key free agents, including Leonard Williams, and put yourself in a position to make a jump next year and get up closer to the 49ers and Eagles because they're the standard of the NFC. They are the standard of the NFC. Look at the DVOA rankings. It goes like this, regardless of team. One, NFC. Two, AFC. Three, AFC. Four, AFC. Five, NFC. Six, AFC. Seven, NFC. Eight, NFC. Nine, AFC. Ten, AFC. Four of the top 10 teams in DVOA or NFC. And then you go beyond the top 10, 11, 12, 13, AFC, 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 
He dropped down to Minnesota at 15 for the next NFC. So only five, do I have that right? Five of the top 15 teams in DVOA right now are NFC. There's an opportunity heading into 2024 to put yourself in a position to try and close the gap a little bit. And you can do that with money and a young roster and draft picks. And I detail that over on the YouTube channel. Uh, reach out to me on Twitter at Seahawks forever. Follow me there. Tell me what you think about the San Francisco game. Do you think they have a shot? If they played the 49ers 10 times, how many times would they win? I'll post that poll on Twitter. Go hit me up there and then I'll give you my answer as well. Uh, thanks for listening. I am Dan Viennes. Appreciate the support. Appreciate the listens and the views. Don't forget to sub- subscribe. And uh, I'll be back after the game on Sunday with a reaction show on the video side of things. I uh, might even do a live on Sunday night if my uh, hotspot will allow me to from home. <laughs> Wish me luck on the internet thing. In the meantime, I'll do whatever it takes to deliver these shows to you because that's what I do. Uh, yeah, let's wrap this up. Go Seahawks. Show us something Sunday, would you? Just show us something. Forever and always go Hawks.